0: a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away this is the story of Star Wars you can read along with me in your book O is for Obi-Wan Kenobi all rebel fighters met at fleet headquarters to plan their attack Princess Leia addressed them Obi-Wan never told you what happened to your father he told me enough he told me you killed him no I am your father.
1: Hello, I am C-3PO, and you are about to listen to the story of Star Wars. Another chapter is here. Welcome to Don't Burn the Sacred Text. I am one of your hosts, Brandon, and I am here with my co-host, the newest lead singer of Jabba's band. It's Lindsay.
0: There is an opening now.
1: There's, yeah, there's quite a few openings.
0: (laughs) (laughs) If not me, then who?
1: I mean, yeah, if not now, when? All of that stuff. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Lindsay, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing good. You know, just getting ready for the onslaught that you and I will have pretty soon when High Republic comes back. So oh, I've been reading, rereading for maybe like the eighth time, Plagueis, mm. just to get ready. Yeah. yeah, something a little different. It's been a long time, I feel like, since I've gone back and done any kind of legends. And I wanted to do something that I've read enough where if something comes out, I can just put it down and I'm not going to feel like it's the end of the world.
1: Yeah. That's a, that's a good call. I, uh, every time I read that, well, I, I've read it like three times. Third time I read it, I was like, man, I forgot how good this book is. And I'm not a huge James Luceno fan. Like, I think he gets a little too wordy sometimes, like it mm. gets a little overdone. Um, but man, that book, yeah, it just hits on so many levels. I hope we get, I hope we get some kind of Plagueis content. It would be cool to see that in Acolyte or something surrounding Acolyte uh, around that time period, or uh, maybe you know the the end of the Nile comes not from the Jedi but from the decision of Plagueis or something like that. That could be a really cool way to to tie things together. But we are not talking about the High Republic tonight. We are talking about Return of the Jedi. From a certain point of view, the collection of short stories, and we're going to use our best or butts format tonight. Uh, But first, before we get into that, we wanted to welcome all of the new listeners who have jumped on board as of late, and just let you guys know that here we are much more than just a podcast. We also have meta-analysis articles over on our website, clashingsabers.net. Uh, And that's also the place where you can find our literacy nonprofit that puts Star Wars books into classrooms. You can also nominate a teacher to receive said books. So if you're able to support us in that way, or if you already are, we thank you so, so much. If you can't, we get it, but you can leave a rating and review over on your podcatcher of choice and help us out that way. Word of mouth is huge. That's how we get books into classrooms. That's how we meet these teachers. uh, And that's how we're able to support them. So thank you guys in advance for doing that. Uh, Lindsay, anything to note on, on the nonprofit?
0: No, I think you covered it. Only other than please, please, please consider helping out absolutely any way you can. It's such an important cause. You know, I think any of us on, on our team, and I'm sure anyone listening to this, loves Star Wars for very deep reasons, and it's really shaped who you are as a person, and, and it's something that every single kid should get to experience as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And Amanda's putting out some really fun content over there on uh, on the Patreon. So if you're not a member there, you can join for a dollar and start getting some great benefits as well. So. All right, Lindsay, it's time to to talk about this book. And as we do with all of our books, we are going to rate this book before our discussion and again after our discussion and see if uh, we influence each other. Now, this one, we're obviously not going to be able to talk about all 40 stories. Trust me, nor do we want to, Um, but we are going to use our best in butts format where each of us is going to talk about two stories we didn't enjoy in our butts and two stories we loved or thought were just the best in our best portions. So that said, our ratings are going to be for the overall collection of stories. So a a rating for all 40 stories combined. And uh, Lindsay, out of five, I'm going to let you go first.
0: Okay. You know, I was, I was actually kind of worried that you were going to go ahead and ask this, um, because it's always so hard to actually come up with the rating on this because there's obviously, as we're going to get into it, best and buts, there's highs and lows, but it's also really difficult because it's hard to compare it to, the two that came before is it or i'm sorry it's hard to it's hard to not compare it okay okay to the two that came before um because in in reality i think i think i think i think the first one of these anthologies is still my favorite but overall this one had some very good ones and and the good and the bad ones were much less polarizing than the second one um that one, I, I remember you and I getting into like extreme arguments over over the best and buts. There, this one was That's because you, hated, solid the the, story, you I hated the Tauntaun
1: story. I hated uh, the Tauntaun
0: story. I, yep, I did. But you know what? I stand by it. But this one, I think, is going to be a little bit less polarizing, um, and and it took some really unique turns. I'll give this one a solid solid three out of five.
1: I had more stories I enjoyed in this one than in the other two installments. And I don't remember exactly what I rated the two, but to give a comparison right now, I would rank them a one or two out of five. I I'm really not a huge short story person. I'm kind of tired of this format. Um, I get that. It's like an easy way for them to put out books. And I understand, you know, you got to complete the trilogy and a lot of people do like this stuff. and, And that's, That's fine. They just haven't been for me uh, for the most part. That said, this one was very much uh, for me in a lot of aspects. Um, But it also, at the same time, suffers from what I complained about in the A New Hope one, spending so much dang time in the Mm -hmm. cantina, uh, took up like a third of the book when it takes up about 10 minutes of screen time. And we kind of had the same thing with Jabba's Palace here where... 180 200 pages in i'm just like my god are we ever going to leave jabba's palace i don't care like I just literally could not care anymore. It's the least interesting thing in Return of the Jedi for me. Like, let's I move get on. that.
0: To, yeah.
1: Let's move on to the Ewoks. Let's move on to the Force stuff. Like, let's talk about, you know. So
0: let me ask you this. Do you jump around with these stories? I think Zach said he was jumping around to kind of what he was interested in and then doing the rest. Did you jump around or did you read it straight through?
1: I read it straight through because I like to kind of go Same. along with the movie and, and think about the different phases of the movie. So, When I consider all of that together um, and then also just thinking about books that I have rated like four out of fives and five out of fives, it's obviously not going to be there because those are like just next tier books. But I'm with you as solid three out of five. I think the, the lows were very low, but the highs were way, way higher than any of the other two installments in this series.
0: Yeah, I get that. All right, good. I'm, I'm glad we're in agreement there. And I did the same thing too. So this will make it I think a little easier to talk about too. just reading in that straight line.
1: Yeah. So we're gonna start this off by going with our butts. So butts are two things we two stories we didn't like, we thought could have been better. Uh, we just didn't need to have in the story at all, um, however you want to quantify that bottom portion. Uh, And we're going to do two tonight. So, Lindsay, I'm going to start with your butt number two.
0: All right. My butt number two, being that it's the weaker one, I'm going to put with Trooper Trouble. Because I just feel like this is kind of a, a story and a format that we've gotten two other times. It felt really repetitive for me. And aside from just being something that I wasn't insanely interested in to begin with, like we have so many little tidbits of these, these nameless stormtroopers and their logs or their diary entries and their day to day. And it's just, it felt entirely unoriginal and without, absolutely zero impact i like stories where when i go re-watch the movies the stories kind of stick with me where when i rewatch it's like oh this is this is a fun little extra tidbit about this character or this is a different way of thinking about things that i didn't have for you know 30 plus years before this though is just like who cares it's it's just a tired format a tired story and made absolutely no difference. So it is my butt not because it's the worst story but it's because it is the least memorable story.
1: Yeah so this is the one where it's going through his dial uh, excuse me diary or journal entries and it's got the the dates and time stamps on it right Yes yeah. Yeah, I uh, I agree. I didn't really get much out of that story. There's a thing with these books, and I think that this is a good uh, example of it, where it's like Lost Stars but done poorly, where Lost Stars <laughs> interweaves in between all of the uh, original trilogy stuff, and it's original trilogy adjacent, but it's not like it's not happening... Because of the original trilogy, like it's happening through the original trilogy. So your main characters in this story are your, you know, like in Lost Stars are your main characters. Whereas in some of these stories, it's like we're there just to observe, like the protagonist's job is just to observe everything else that's going on. And it's like, okay, but I can just watch the movie for that. Like, I want something that's unique, that adds to the story, like you said, uh, that you rewatch this stuff in a new and and more positive light and like yeah just another trooper and we kind of got a similar thing with the um the biker trooper story like I didn't yeah I don't really care you know like uh, you're just it I know it's like kind of inhumane to say you're just another nameless faceless character but really like it
0: is It's so funny, too, because you talk about um, the Lost Stars. I don't even want to say similarity or or comparison, but you mentioned Lost Stars and bring that in. And it's funny because it's not planned to be on one of my best unless we have like absolutely identical ones and I need to sub one in. Um, But one that I really did enjoy was Dune Sea Songs of Salt and Moonlight. Um, which was a Jabba's Palace one. It was luckily earlier on where it still had my interest. But that one, I felt very similar to Lost Stars in concept of here are just these regular people in this time of war, and here's what it's doing to the average being there. And I liked that story because it was really humanizing. And it really shed a lot of light onto different situations. Whereas this Trooper Trouble just did absolutely nothing. It was like a cute little anecdote. And I felt like it had more of a place and time if it were to be a little kid story that I would read my nieces or nephews before bed and not something that should feel as major as a story for um, from a certain point of view.
1: Well, you led perfectly into my butt number two. Because I freaking hated Sea songs of salt and moonlight.
0: Oh, here we go. All right, why?
1: Because literally nothing happens in the story, like nothing of any significance. I could not possibly care less about the characters, and everything happens around Je- Jess rather than for or through Jess. She is, she is an observer. Whereas and she doesn't take any active role in the plot development, whereas, you know, going back to that Lost Stars comparison, like those characters have their own stories and arcs. Her story is just I'm just basically going to sit around here until uh, Jabba's dead and then I get to go run away and be free and I get to go be with this person that I love, which I didn't care about their relationship at all. Uh, there is absolutely no discernible plot or character development by any of the characters involved. And it is way too long for what happened. It's 34 freaking pages. long. It
0: was, it was really long. I'll give you that much. It like, was it's,
1: really, really long. Most of them were eight to 12 pages. So we're talking almost three times as long as your average, uh, average one. And I mean, I had a, Almost the exact same issue with the Chronicler one later on of just like, why is this so freaking long? And why does our protagonist not have any involvement in the development of the story? Like they're just there to see everything else that's going on. And I just, of all the characters you could have picked out of Jabba's Palace to write a 34 page story about, you chose some random person in the background that you see for half a second.
0: Yeah, but I think the point of it, though, was because it's a random person that you see in the background for half a second. And in terms of not having any real agency in the story, that's also the point. You know, they were a real true victim to this situation and to Java. So I like the story because the difference here for me is. Jabba is not just someone who has people who are caught up in the underworld, right? And Jabba's not just going after people who have really wronged him. He's this real true monster who is taking away everyone else's agency. And that gives, I think, a new appreciation for some of the scenes in Jabba's palace and what they do or don't want to be involved with.
1: See, I think you're putting a lot of what it was intended to be onto it and not a lot of what it actually
0: was. (laughs) That's a great way to put it.
1: Could have been, you could have done that and it would have been a perfectly fine story. First of all, it was like 10 to 12 pages. Like I could see if that's what you're trying to do. But if you've got 34 pages, your character better be different by the end. Like significantly different. You know, you're the... I think the longest story in the book, because the Chronicler was 30 pages long and this was 34 pages.
0: I mean, the Chronicler also just felt like it was forever.
1: It, it almost made my list, but my, my two that are on my list were very close. I could have swapped either one, but I'll get into my other one in a minute. But maybe 10 to 12 pages, I could have said, okay, fine, like just not a story for me. But the fact that you spent the majority, the biggest portion of the book on this character, like tell that story from Ula's point of view. Tell that story from, you know, somebody that, after 40 years of, of, you know, Return of the Jedi, there's these, there are side characters you care about. I would have rather had uh, 40, you know, 34 pages of Max Rebo, and you could have told a similar story. Now, I know they did something with Max Rebo. They went the comedy route. I enjoyed it. It was fine. But just there was a lot of opportunity cost with regards to this story where it was like okay so we're telling a, like 200 pages worth of of Jabba's palace and we just have this character that doesn't do anything and and I get what you're saying about you know Jabba's Uh, I guess villainy comes in so many ways like there's the active stuff we see but then there's also just the the mental and psychological toll it takes on the characters but I don't really feel like I feel like we have to fill in a lot of blanks as the reader rather than the story filling in a lot of blanks in and of itself
0: I don't know I kind of liked a lot of the side views that we got there too just in terms of that being the point of view that we see, you know, Han Solo being being defrosted. Um, I thought a lot of the side views in that story were a lot more interesting than some of the other Jabba's Palace ones that we got.
1: I mean, if I'm being totally honest, I don't know that I really liked any of the Jabba's Palace stories
0: um yeah this one was and maybe that's why i think i like this one so much because it's the most interesting java story one so maybe it just stands out and makes me think it was a little bit better than it was because though that whole section i agree with you was pretty weak
1: yeah especially when you compare it to everything else that, like i literally tried i was like i want to to balance, you know, out where my best and butts are. And I'm just going to spoil it now like both of my butts are in the java's Palace section and both of my best are in the latter uh third of the the book. Um because that's like and this is something I've I've complained about for a while. I'm I'm sick and tired of cantinas and stuff. Like I get they were really cool in the you know a new hope when it first came out the first time, but now we've had them in a new hope. We had Jabba's palace, we had Canto Bite, we had uh, Maz's castle. Like we've had all of these well,
0: things. Well, I, th- I think the the issue with it too is like in Legends there were actual anthologies for just that, which right. was great because if you wanted to, you could spend days and days and days diving into it. What I realize I like a lot more, and because technology and because the internet allows this, we have the flexibility to do it. And I wish it was something we did a little bit more of. But instead of doing an anthology, I love that Mazkanav's castle didn't have that. And instead, we get this amazing novella of the perfect weapon, where it is a character who made an active difference in the story not terribly involved, but still has this really cool background. And I think the ability to build that out in a novella that you then can release online, you know, you don't have to worry about distributing it and, and profiting off of paperback novels. Right. I wish that was something they did a little bit more for these Cantina-esque stories and, and possibilities. Or we just
1: tell new stories. but right, whatever. I guess
0: that's, that's a good idea. All
1: right. What's your butt number one?
0: <laughs> My butt number one, you also kind of gave a nice little segue into it. It is The Chronicler. I thought that was, to use the, the full version of a word the kids are saying these days, it was so incredibly cringy. And I was getting like secondhand embarrassment reading it and not in like a good way, not in a, Oh my God, this empathetic character, or, or or, I really see myself in this situation or in this world way. It was just a really cringeworthy story where the whole time I'm just like, why are we so hyper-focused on, on this? Mm -hmm. And the other part that was a big, big, big buck for me was I was not a fan of thinking that while all of this was going on, the rebellion, specifically Mon Mothma, was so worried about let's make sure we're staying in the history books the right way. Right. Let's make yes. sure our story is being told. I was I was like their focus never seemed to be on that. Their focus really was just how do we win this war and what do we do next? And it seems so strange to me that all of a sudden it was like, no, we're this this real organization with our own press network. Wasn't a big fan of that. And if you're going to do it, do it right. Yeah.
1: I mean, I 100% agree. Like this was thinking about this story was when I came up with the idea of like these some of these stories just being a new lost stars but without any of the things that make lost stars good like characters and plot and development like you (laughs) this is another one where you have your protagonist who just is kind of there and stuff happens to her and through her but not for her or because of her and that's really a big problem and honestly like It makes all of our heroes, like the Han, Luke, Leia, Lando, it makes them look like pretentious teens who don't want to do the assignment Mm -hmm. in class. Mm -hmm. And, like, I honestly can't blame them because the assignment is dumb. Like, maybe we talk to these people after the war, not before the biggest fight of their lives. Like, especially with everything else that we have, especially with such great Leia content, especially with Mon Mothma and Andor, it is... A bridge too far for me to believe that these characters are going, you know, we should really write this down. Like, let's make documentation of all of our crimes in case we don't beat the Empire, they can find it and then (laughs) convict us. Like
0: even even just in such like a formatted way too, where it was like, oh, this is my assignment for the day. I can't believe it. It felt like like the sorting houses in Harry Potter, like, ooh, I hope I get this one. I did get this one. Yay. It was it was just a really unbelievable story that it wasn't just like um, my first one, Trooper Trouble, where you just forget it and it doesn't really change anything. I think this one actually, if I chose to linger on it and chose to really think about it every time I now watch Return of the Jedi, I think it would detract for me.
1: Yeah, 100%. Like... There are, are certain stories in these books that I'm like, yes, that is now canon in my head. And then other ones, I'm like, no. Nah. Like the the Tarkin-Mouse droid relationship one in A New Hope? Not a thing. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I don't, that's not canon. Like, uh... Doon C songs like Jess, that, sure, that could be your canon. It doesn't make any difference to me. No, I refuse to believe that Han, Luke, and Leia, especially like Han and Leia, are like, yes, this seems like a great time to sit down and have a conversation about, like, and chronicle our entire story. But we're also only going to focus on Jabba's palace again.
0: If you're going to do a story like The Chronicler 2, at least have the conversations be of significance. I don't think I would mm-hmm. mind it nearly as much if the conversations really were like, Lando, let me get really deep into your headspace as to what made you change as a person and join this. Or, um, Questions for, for Leia diving more into her life leading up to the rebellion, things like that. But for it to just be like, we're gonna and you know, Han and Leia, one of my all time favorite couples ever. But just to have this be like, Oh, we're gonna focus on this little little love story and yeah. tell and tell the story through this lovesick puppy's eyes and you said you didn't care about the relationship in Dune Sea, I could not have cared less about the relationship in this one.
1: Yeah. It was, and like, I didn't believe the the Chronicle as like a journalist, like as somebody with a journalism degree, I'm like, there is no journalistic integrity happening here. Like she's forcing the angle that she wants to see. And even Mon Mothma calls her out, but even Mon Mothma kind of, she's kind of a bitch in this, like honestly. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this is it not.
0: Was, it was fan fiction being written about someone writing fan fiction
1: oh my god that hurts me on so many levels i have nothing against <laughs> fan wrong? fiction but you're 100 no no right. that's no but uh, well good worse. fan
0: fiction yeah and i think everyone should if if that's something they're interested in put their foot out and, and try it but this felt like bad fan fiction being written about bad fan fiction
1: that that seems about right yeah Uh, so speaking of other things that just seem like bad fan fiction, uh, and should not exist, my butt number one is the Sarlacc story, My Mouth Never Closes.
0: Oh, I actually forgot about that one. But yeah, that was pretty terrible.
1: I cannot forget about that one. I hate literally everything about this. Everything. Uh, why do we have a sentient Sarlacc? Why can't we just let monsters be monsters? Like, I, I don't want to have feelings one way or another about the Rattars. I don't care. I just don't. Um, the entire premise itself is just cheesy and bad. Uh, comedy, not funny. And the idea of the Sarlacc just waiting to eat plants or something is just... It is literally the dumbest thing I've ever read in my life. Yeah. Um, it is...
0: Oh, I forgot about this one. I think I just blocked it from my mind.
1: If... If this was one of the longer ones, I probably would have quit the book, to be completely honest. I don't think, I at least would have quit the story. I would have just straight up been five pages in and go, nope, and just skipped right past it, which, you know me, like, I don't do that. Like, I want to read it all. I want to know it all. Like, that's just who I am. I'm a completionist in that way, but.
0: I would say, because I agree with you, not in terms of if this was one of the longer ones, I would have quit. If we didn't have the snippets that were released about a month earlier giving us clues about what other stories were gonna come where I was like, all right, I just like I just wanna get to Brotherhood, right? Like I just, yeah. I just wanna get back to Mike Jen. If not for that, I think that is absolutely you're so right. I think I would have quit.
1: Yeah, like I definitely once we got about halfway through the Jabba's Palace stuff, I I checked the page count to see how many I had left so I could do, like, a countdown. All right, cool, I'm making progress, I'm making progress. And I don't know if this was... I can't recall if this was the last one of the Jabba's Palace stuff, but it was towards the end, and I was literally just like, oh, my God, thank God we're almost done, because this is just... It's, it's not good. Like, the Max Rebo one is kind of... Uh, campy and preposterous and ridiculous, but in a a fun way, this is Thanks, just... Yeah. It's meant to be. This, I just... I know it's not supposed to be taken seriously, but there's there's not taken seriously funny, and then there's not taken seriously because it's just not believable. And it's kind of like I felt about the Dianoga in the a New Hope when I'm like, I just don't really yeah. need a story with this whole character's life history and it being force-sensitive. Like, I don't need... Just let this, like, the Sarlacc is one of my biggest pet peeves because I, I liked the, the Sarlacc in The Return of the Jedi before the special editions. I don't need the mouth and the tentacles and stuff, okay? So that's already bothers me. I sound like just, like, the dutiest of dude bros here and Drew is rolling <laughs> his eyes at me. But, like, I just don't, I don't need all that extra. Just let it be a mystery, you know? Like, we got enough in Book of Boba Fett. It tried to eat Boba Fett. It couldn't. He blew through it, blew it up. Yeah. Call it a day. Like that is literally all I need to know about the Sarlacc. Is it ate them and then it blew up and died. That's all I need. It's not about the Sarlacc. Like the Sarlacc isn't interesting because of the Sarlacc. It's interesting because of all of the things that happen around it. And so to tell this whole story from this character's point of view and to just have it be such a like a whiny little baby. Oh, stop doing it. Shut up. Just shut up. That's my analysis. Shut up.
0: Yeah, I think honestly it it makes it less interesting too and and makes Fett a lot less cool because it's not like, oh, yeah, he fought this way out of this monster that was really going for him or anything like that. It was just like, oh, he got regurgitated maybe. Well, and also like,
1: okay, it doesn't fit with the movie itself. Like, the movie, it is grabbing humans and pulling them in. Why would it do that if its motivations are to not eat humans? And then it has this weird conversation with three people. Like,
0: I wish I was as lucky
1: as you where I could have purged it from my mind, but I just can't.
0: (laughs) And you know what, though? I will say to your credit, you are at least consistent. This is incredibly... As soon as you said, Dianaga, the entire conversation just, like, flew back to me. And you were so incredibly consistent.
1: I mean, just wait in... Let's see. Force Awakens came out in 2015. So, 2055, you guys, set your calendars. I'm going to be saying the same thing about a Rattar story where two Rattars are, you know, in love and have a Force-sensitive baby who tries to eat Finn because it thinks it's a carrot. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it's just bad. So, okay, let's go ahead and move on to the good stuff because there was... The the butts part of my list was so easy to make. Like, there was the two I gave and the chronicler were pretty much my my options because the rest in Jabba's Palace, even though I didn't love it, was either funny enough, like Max Rebo, to be passable or just kind of irrelevant. Like, even the Boba Fett story was like, okay, that's a thing that happened. Uh, But once we got past that and we got to the second. Half of the book, really the last third, it really started to pick up. So anyways, take us to uh, your best number two.
0: Ooh, okay. I wanted to make it my number one just to be a little different and make sure that we had enough to talk about because I'm sure our number ones are... I would put money that they're the same. if not very similar. Um, but my number two... Then is going to be Emperor's Red Guard.
1: Oh, that almost made my list. Almost there, made my Okay,
0: list. so it made mine because that's one of those, those ones where as a kid, and, and this is such a big thing for Star Wars fans, right? Like talk about it, as a kid, the toys you used to play with. And that was always one of those toys where, unlike a lot of the ones in Jabba's Palace or in the canteen, this is a a character that I was always so curious about and at best the only stuff we've gotten is like little tidbits of information in visual dictionaries and more so really just as the Pantorian Guards started to come out. So this was already a story that I was really excited for and really interested in which could be more of a detriment, right? Because if it's not what I wanted it to be, it's it's not going to be a good thing, right? Like, imagine if you were like, "Man, I wish I knew more about the Sarlacc," and you had that oh, story. Don't
1: this, just, I think, let's though, move on. gave
0: gave it it gave it the right amount of gravitas and the right amount of respect, and started to answer a lot of questions about now who these Sith cultists are and why would people follow this emperor? And what was even things like, what was their training like? Like this was, I think a really cool story that didn't change anything or make these really big strides but it adds to it. And it adds so much to the way I watch Return of the Jedi that now I'm really excited to go back and and watch it, right? And, And think about this story in those scenes. And know a little bit more about these characters. And I, I really do believe that Emperor's Red Guard is the kind of story that these anthologies are made for.
1: I yeah, it it was fantastic. I really liked how you had kind of you so you have the two guards in the movies. Like it's not that that's a given. But to set up the dichotomy where you have the one guard that's just following to the letter of what they said. And, you know, what Emperor said, leave, we leave. Like, that's it, end of story. And then you have the one that kind of questions, but doesn't question in the way that we're used to them questioning. Most of the time when we see these characters in the Empire questioning, it's the calluses going, am I doing the right thing? No. This guard knows he's doing the right thing in his mind. And he his questioning is whether he's doing enough. And I think that kind of sets up the two uh kind of main different tribes if you will that we get in the sequel trilogy or or really in the Mandoverse, where you have the imperials that are still either holding on or starting to form the first order and then you have the imperials who are just joining the new republic because they were just doing their day job and they don't really care about the government or what it is so it was really cool to see that at the highest level and this kind of it it Adds to the story because you, when you watch Return of the Jedi now, you see those guys walking away and you know it's like the beginning of the end of their life because it's just, everything's about to go wrong and it adds in the right way. It's kind of like how when Phasma's mask cracks in The Last Jedi, uh you think about all of those different masks that Phasma put on and how few people have seen her face and everything like that. And you start to go, man, this is a moment like Finn is seeing through the facade. And it's the same kind of thing here with the, the emperor's red guards. And it would have been so easy to kind of like have them go sneak a peek and see what was going on and tell us about uh, what was happening with Vader and Luke and things like that. But, We got a very uh, intriguing story where these characters are the main characters. like They are the protagonists of the story, and it's not like the, the, the plot is what happens in Return of the Jedi, but this character development centers around these people dealing with their problems, not these people seeing other people deal with their problems. So, yeah, I really, really like that story.
0: Oh, God, I'm glad we agree on that one. And for for such similar reasons, but this was a really big standout for me, and I think the only other time we really got this kind of side character addition that we've been curious about was with the Ewoks.
1: Yeah, yeah, the Ewok stories were really good. I'm gonna I'm gonna not say anything about the Ewok stories because. Of reasons,
0: will it lead into any of your best? Then is this a good segue?
1: Possibly, possibly. But let's
0: hear it. What's what's your best?
1: So my best number two doesn't have to do with the Ewoks, but it has to do with another cuddly friend that we all know and love, and that's Mister Dexter Jetster.
0: Ooh, okay,
1: good pick. I I really loved the veteran. Uh, first of all, never would have imagined we got a Dexter Jetster story in Return of the Jedi. Um, that was pretty cool. It was absolutely a perfect choice of character to tell this story because he's got a knowledge of the history of Coruscant and, and he's able to provide a uh, context for the reader about what is, what's changed in Coruscant. You know, we see this moment in return of the Jedi and we get the idea that it's conveying. And if we've seen the prequels or we've really spent a lot of time in that era, we get it. But for those people who maybe didn't like the prequels or don't feel a connection to Coruscant, like it provides a lot of great context there. And just the idea of Dex blaming himself for the entire war, simply for giving Obi-Wan some information, like that's the main character thing I've been talking about. Like Dex is the main character of this story and he's the one that makes things happen. And you know how people like always say like everybody believes they're the main character of their story. Like Mm -hmm. that's what this is. It's he's wrong that he's the main character. Like he thinks he's the main character of the star Wars saga. Like it's all his fault, but it's interesting to see that. And I mean, to see that it cost him his diner uh, was, was tragic. It cost him his joy. Like he's literally lost everything and he centers it on that moment with Obi-Wan. And I loved that he didn't blame Obi-Wan. Like, he's old enough and wise enough and has been through enough to know, like to take responsibilities for his own actions. And so when we get to things with the Imperials and we get to see people attacking the Imperials, like he knows the consequences of actions and that these people are going to have to take responsibility for these actions. And I think it also shows that like the end of return of the Jedi wasn't the end for everyone. And nor Mm -hmm. was it the end of the anger felt towards the Imperials, which makes the war with the first order more poignant because mm-hmm. when we have rise of skywalker and you have all these people rising up like it's coming from this not just this moment with the first order in these couple years the first order has been around they're around like 2 years or whatever the sequel trilogy takes place across but this is 20 30 years of of anger and resentment and you know stuff behind these imperial masks And then I just really enjoyed getting to see Dex come to terms with what happened by seeing Vekin and realizing that he can still impact people going forward and that that one moment with Obi-Wan doesn't have to be what defines him and that this new beginning for the galaxy uh, also serves as a new beginning for him. So just everything in here was absolute gold.
0: You know, one of the things I really liked about this story too is we always play, and and I think a lot of Star Wars groups do you know the the what if games and i think this kind of opens up to one that we've never really played around with but what if dex didn't know about Camino, and what mm-hmm. if dex didn't lead obi-wan there how could things have been different um so i thought it was just really cool to open up that what if scenario
1: there's so many things about the Return of the... Or not Return of the Jedi, sorry. Attack of the Clones, where it's like, if this one thing didn't happen, if this one line wasn't said, everything would be different. You know, like, what if Jocasta New was like, hmm, let me look into that for you. <laughs> or or something like that. Like, if, if Dex was like...
0: Oh, Jocasta knew The comeback like, she's having this year. Gotta love her.
1: Gotta <sighs> love her. Um, but yeah, if, if Dex doesn't have that information or even decides to like hide it from Obi-Wan, you know, uh, he, he's trying to keep this kid also like the, the kid from Linhara or whatever the planet is from Padawan. I, I'm blanking on the name exactly, but getting all those references to the Padawan book was just like, that's the kind of stuff I'm here for is like, thank you for re- recognizing me for reading all of these books. Like that's all I needed. I just need a little appreciation and I got it. You know, and that's that's what I read these books for, to just feel better about yeah, myself. We deserve so, it. I do, I really it. do. Um, all right, so that uh kinda brings us to our number one, and I have a feeling we have the same number one. So
0: I think so. Should we say it on three?
1: Okay, ready? One, one two, two, three,
0: three. Brotherhood. Brotherhood. Yep. Okay. okay, how okay. embarrassing would that have been if we didn't have the same one?
1: It Yeah, it would have been really <laughs> bad. Um, so I'm going to let you go ahead and talk about it first.
0: Yeah, I mean, you you kind of mentioned it with Padawan. Like, it's nice to get a little bit of recognition for having read everything. And it was nice to, and we've never really gotten this in, in one of these stories, to have the same name and have the same author, I thought was... Mm. Really cool. Um, So first and foremost, we'll get that obvious stuff out of the way. But the reason why this is so important for me is when I was a junior in high school and I went to Catholic school my entire life, um, so I always had religion class. My junior year of high school, our teacher, and she did this every single year, let the class watch Return of the Jedi. And then equated all of the kind of great teacher. And, and we would equate all like the religious elements and just the, the redemption. And that was her whole thing. It wasn't even like teaching the Bible through it or anything. It was just about redemption, forgiveness, always being able to atone, things like that. Um, so we watched that and, and we talked a lot about that. And I was already, you know, eight years into my Star Wars fandom at that point. Um, so I, I obviously really loved it, but for me, it really just helped deepen and strengthen my love for these stories. So to be able to see this so beautifully written and beautifully executed, where it's not just this, this moment, or it's not just this one decision, it's him going, it's, it's Anakin coming back to a lifetime of things, you know, a lifetime of, we get, we get Shmi, we get Padme, We get this great, great mention and and great reference for Leia. And And it's just this. And it's so, and it's just beautiful. And even too, um, I, I don't know about you. I finished this. We're recording this October 9th. I finished this anthology a few weeks ago. Yeah. So I finished it before the Ahsoka finale. I, now that we're really talking about it too, this weekend, I would love to reread this story and then go into the Ahsoka finale again and see a lot of these comparisons. Oh, Um, even better is
1: having the Ahsoka finale and rereading it like I did last night. Ooh. Game changer. Absolute game changer.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's just a, a beautifully written story, as Mike Chen does, because he really understands these characters but it's to me the the whole point isn't just the story and all the great mentions we get it's the fact that it is one of the most important stories in Star Wars that we've really lost sight of because the only other place we've gotten it so far is Kylo Ren but we always talk about hope and we talk about fighting for what you believe in but I think the biggest thing with Star Wars is this redemption and is this atonement and now we, we get it put so beautifully
1: this book does like, or this story does so many things perfectly. And and just so you guys know, like, when Lindsay and I were setting this up, we're like, okay, we can't have any repeats. Forget that rule because I tried coming up with any other story that would be better than Brotherhood, and there is none. Like it is, it is absolutely the best story in this book hands down it's the best in prose it's the best in story it's the best in everything that it does character development and and honestly this story is the real ending of george lucas's saga you know yeah. we we because we have the context of anakin going through all of these stories we have the clone wars involved we have even him going, you know, like, I know Qui-Gon's not very far away, that, you know, that kind of stuff. And just getting to see Anakin finally come to terms with the fact that not everything is his fault. uh, Like, it's such a powerful thing. And it, it's even beyond just what he did with the Empire. Just, he blames himself for everything that doesn't go to plan, for anything that doesn't work out. Like, he... It's part of what makes him a great leader, you know, for the clones and and somebody that people want to follow, but it also, because he doesn't learn how to balance it, it it causes him to, to spiral downward, right? Like for me, for example, if, if any of my students are failing, like I consider that a, a personal failure on my own part, but I also separate my identity from that. Like, and Anakin is not able to separate his actual identity from these failures in the galaxy. And and so when he turns into Darth Vader and it compounds and it compounds and it compounds, like it just keeps the, it's like the rocks that Obi-Wan throws at him, like it just keeps piling up. And so like that, all the references throughout, you know, the connections to Brotherhood, the connections to the Revenge of the Sith novelization, getting to see Anakin think back to his mom, getting to see, you know, him and Obi-Wan reunite. And, like, the way that Mike Chen turns, like, subtle things in, uh, you know, that moment with the Force Ghost, like, Anakin looking down into him discovering that, like, he has a, 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 a like, figure that can be seen, um, you know, coming to terms with, you know, Leia's perception of him and how he can't do anything to change that. He's got to let her, her be it. But also everything it gives us about luke you know about how it, it really gave the thesis statement on what luke does there in um in the throne room where it says luke had stared directly into the pain and rage of anakin skywalker and had somehow s- managed to see past it all like that is that's the thesis right there like that is it and and i even like how it it connects with the qui-gon obi-wan story in Mm -hmm. um the a new hope one because you have
0: oh i was even thinking just in the entirety of kenobi
1: well yes but in that particular story in um in a new hope it qui-gon talks about how he's like kind of forming his body and he's in time and out of time and and everything like that. And you kind of get the same thing as Anakin is forming into a force ghost and they're there, but they're not there and, and everything like that. And it's, it's cool to think about like the world between worlds we think of as like this physical place because our limited human minds have to have that analogy to comprehend. Like we have to have something grounded in our own reality that we can understand. But like if we, got to see what the world between worlds really is, like our brains wouldn't be able to comprehend it. It's like that grandiose of an idea. And it's, there was a pastor once that said, and and this idea, you know, like we say words about God, You know, whatever your God is. I'm not preaching religion here, but we say words about God, but even those words can't fully explain what God is. Like that's the world between worlds. Like we say these things to try to encapsulate something that can't be encapsulated. And with the world between worlds, with force ghosts, with all of all of that stuff around the force, like even our own words limit it. And I think this comes as close as you could possibly come in written form to give us an idea of what the force really is and how force ghosts form and all of that stuff. And I think it also adds a lot of validity to, you know, Obi-Wan and Yoda went through training to become force ghosts and Anakin just gets to show up and it's like, yeah, but yes, but he's the one who brought balance. Like the force allowed it because he made that choice um, because of that redemption. Like it really solidifies that. So it's just absolutely fantastic.
0: And it's, I'm I'm happy you mentioned, too, that we were going to do no repeats. Um, And it's, I I suggested that, too, because I was like, we're both going to pick Brotherhood. Like (laughs) That might might be a little boring. And I have honorable mentions, if need be. Like, you know, from a certain point of view, it was was great. Um, The, what is it? The Light That Never Goes Out. Let's see. Let me look. Yeah, The Light That Falls. Um, I thought that was a great story. Like, there were a lot of really great stories, but this was just too perfect it was if if i know i said this book as a whole three out of five this was a five out of five this is something and when i when i read the it sounds so weird to say but i think we all do this like we read the table of contents right because we want to know what's where and how long things are i was kind of disappointed at first that it was such a short story but I'm so happy it was because you don't need any longer, and now it's something like you really could just quickly reread at any time. Mm-hmm.
1: Honestly, Mike Chen needs to become a stalwart Star Wars writer. Like,
0: yeah, I really want to see what else he he'd be able to do. We've only seen him with these select few characters, so I'd love to to get him in a little bit more and see what could happen.
1: I mean. He has done with Anakin and Obi-Wan what Claudia Gray did with Leia. Like, Mm -hmm. take these characters who are very close to us and just put them in in such a great light on the written page. And, you know, we don't have a ton of stories with Anakin uh, in the canon, but, you know, even reading legends, it always feels like a little bit of a facade of Anakin. Never really fully seems Mm -hmm. to get who he is and Mike Chen just absolutely does. So you mentioned your your honorable mentions and I, I did have a backup and, and I just will throw this in as an honorable mention now and then have you give your like number one honorable mention. I really liked the Wicked story, One Normal Day. Like I tried so hard to put this on my list. The other two just really knocked it out of the park. But I just, it was so relatable.
0: It was, you know, and it went... Beyond just being a cute story, I thought it, I really thought it was just going to be like, oh, how how cute, how sweet. But like, this is a good story.
1: It really, and it like, I really like how the story treats Wicket like, like a Han Luke Leia type main hero, and how he's always seems to find adventure even when he's not looking for it. Like that's what I want in these stories. That's the the main character yeah. thing that I've been talking about. Like, this is his story. It's not. A story about Han, Luke, and Leia that's happening, you know, next to him. Uh, so, just I just really enjoyed reading that story, and I just wanted to mention it uh, because it was so enjoyable and just uh, not grouchy, but kind of just over it. Wicket, who just wants a day off, is like it's so understandable. I just love it. Do you have like a number one honorable mention, like the one standout that you didn't get to put on your list?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I mentioned The Light That Falls um, from a certain point of view. And I think those are kind of the more obvious ones. I thought The Light That Falls was really cool because I like seeing more of of Dagobah. Um, But I think if I I had to pick kind of a normal one, right? One of those like, "Eh, it doesn't change anything major. It's just a good story. Um, I actually really like the buy-in. And I think maybe it's because I'm not, like, crazy about Lando. I obviously love him. He's just oh, not yeah, my absolute favorite. Story. I thought that was really cool just because, too, like, I really like those kind of war stories that aren't just about the wars and the battle, but those quiet in-between moments of, like, these, these soldiers getting ready and these soldiers knowing, like, this very well may be the last night that they're ever alive. They don't want to say it. They don't even necessarily want to think it. But it's still there, and it's something that they have to deal with. Um, so I thought it was a good story, just because we got that element of it, and we got Lando in—in in I thought a pretty fun light.
1: Yeah. No, I was really like everything. Once you get past Jabba's palace, I'm not trying to just crap on Jabba's palace the whole time, but like I'm trying to give it was context. Just so it was—it was so long. Like if we had ten stories instead of twenty stories, or however long it was, but. Once you get past that point, everything from there on—I can't remember what the first story is. I think there's one with an imperial. Uh, it might be Gergerod um, or Piet. I can't remember. But everything from there on to the end, there it's banger after banger after banger. Like there are the few exceptions, you know, the stormtrooper one the here, Chronicle. the chronicler. But like the majority of those stories are just absolute. Like you could have picked any of them to be in your best and you would have been absolutely right. So yeah we want to know for you guys what your best in butts were so make sure you share those uh either in in the comments if you're seeing this on a post in our Facebook group, Star Wars Clashing Sabres, over on our Patreon. You can tweet us, you can X us, you can thread us, you can Insta us, you can do all the the socialing to us. Uh just search at Clashing Sabres and you'll find us. Um we got to give it a new rating, Lindsay. Are you changing your rating at all?
0: You know what? i got to be honest. Just because I forgot about the Sarlacc, I kind of want to change it down to a 2 out of 5. But being able to discuss Brotherhood out loud, I think evened it back out where it's still a 3 out of 5. So it's not that I'm holding at a 3 out of 5. I actually really did drop down. Had you asked me that pre our Brotherhood discussion, it would have been 2 out of 5. It's back up to 3 out of 5.
1: Yeah, I think that balance idea is important because I think the the worst uh, for me got even worse, but the better got even better. So, again, it's a tale of two books for me, uh, which is kind of ironic in a 40-story um, book. But you really do have everything Jabba's Palace. I, I just don't care for don't care about and then everything afterwards for the majority of is just uh like that this is like oh do you ever listen to bon jovi
0: yeah you know as much as any other woman in their 30s and the regional east northeast does
1: okay okay so like is often it's like Slippery When Wet is clearly their best album. And it's like every song on there is like a greatest hit except for like one or two. That's how I feel about everything after. Mm. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, go listen to Slippery When Wet. Like it's a freaking great album.
0: <laughs> you're um, going to know Yes, there's exactly like, what we're talking about. There's as as like two you
1: know. songs you can skip and that is it. And even those, you're like, I can listen to it for 10 pages. Um that's kind of how i feel about the majority of these stories so i'm really looking forward to hopefully getting more of these in the future i hope we don't have to wait for the 40 year anniversary of uh the phantom menace hopefully we get like the 20 year anniversary or 25 because 2055 for the force awakens ones would be quite some time but we've got plenty to to fill us in until then so Lindsay, if they want to hear more of your thoughts on this book on the other books we're reading or just on star wars in general where can they find you
0: well, you can of course, as always, find us in our Facebook group, uh, Star Wars Clashing Sabers. Please, please, please tag me in any discussion. I love talking to you guys there. Um, but I'm still not on Twitter or X or whatever it is these days. I am on Threads now, though. I, I've joined Threads. It's, I think, much healthier conversations. Um, so I'm I'm really enjoying it over there. Got to talk to and, and meet a few new people already. Uh, but follow me over on Threads for now. I really need to change this. Um, but you can find me at not so gramless Lindsay.
1: All right, guys, and until next time when we are talking about. Probably a High Republic book because it'll be back to High Republic time. Uh, get caught up on your High Republic reading. If you're not, if you if you are just starting for the first time, make sure you go over to our friends over at Unknown Region Pod who's doing the lazy High Republic book club. They're just reading phase one now. So shout out to them. Go over and give them a listen. Uh, and uh, till then, keep reading, keep writing. But whatever you do, don't burn the sacred text.